The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to Inside the Tunnel, brought to you by VT Scoop 24-7 Sports. My name is Andrew Alex, joined by the full crew today. Matezas, Doug Bowman, Evan Watkins. Communally, how we doing? Doing good. Doing good. Doing good. Glad to see week two. We finally got the other guys here. Um, had to carry the load on all my shoulders last week, so I guess you guys are getting a late start to the season. I'm surprised Matei's showing up. He's, he typically takes these nights off. Yeah, coming in after week one, usually I'm taking taking this night off, but we're back into ACC play. So I thought Old Dominion would be a sleeper game, and here we are about to talk about what happened. It's unfortunate, so we'll get right into it. Anyone who's listening to this podcast knows it's no surprise. Virginia Tech falls to Old Dominion. Gentlemen, how? Why? Evan Watkins, you were boots on the ground. Let us know what we probably already know. Yeah, it was just it was just sloppy. I mean, that wasn't a game. We can look at this roster and know that there's holes. We can know that Virginia Tech has some talent deficiencies in certain spots. We know that if, you know, one key injury happens, then, you know, it hits the fan pretty quick. But this wasn't one of those. This wasn't talent. This was purely shooting yourself in the foot over and over and over, rinse and repeat 15 times, add in four interceptions. I mean, it was just, it was as bad as probably Brent Pry thought his see, or his, his debut as a head coach would go. I wrote as much in the postgame story. I don't think he envisioned his first game as head whistle with a quarterback throwing four picks. I don't think he thought there would be as many uh, penalties as there were. And I'm sure he didn't envision his night standing on, you know, on the field at SB Ballard Stadium and seeing streams of 
Old Dominion fans rushing the field to celebrate a victory over Virginia Tech. I don't think he envisioned any of that. But, you know, the the silver-ish lining, if you want to call it that, I think the majority of the issues were self-inflicted. Um, penalties that can be cleaned up, um, not snapping a field goal uh, attempt six feet above the holder. I think that can be cleaned up. Um, this wasn't a talent issue. We will see at some point this year, I'm sure, the talent issue come out where there will just be a team that is more talented than Virginia Tech go out, do what they're supposed to do, handle business and win. Uh, that wasn't this. That's what you would expect of Virginia Tech to have done to Old Dominion is go out and, and, you know, and win. And then you add insult to injury, the elevator issues, which we had heard about a little bit in the press box anyways. Um, of not using the elevators because they weren't overly, uh, overly safe to use. And then, um, you know, the locker room incident, which I posted about a little bit on the site after the game. I had no idea that happened. I, I went down to the locker room to do the post game interviews. I stood next to Amy Pry. I stood next to Whit Babcock, did the interviews with, uh, with Brent Pry, got on the road, got home. And then didn't even know until the next morning that, that that stuff had happened. So an unfortunate night, uh, an unfortunate uh, unfolding event uh, of events happened. But, you know, end of the day, you take your lumps and you keep moving on. We know this is a full rebuild. We know this is a two to three year process. And, you know, maybe we look back on this and say that's just a blip. Maybe things uh, continue to stair step and get better from uh, – from here i mean there's nowhere else you can go you're pretty much at rock bottom time to rebuild so doug and matey i mean evan kind of hit the nail on the head and we've all written stuff and talked about this already it was a comedy of errors everything that could go wrong did go wrong and by no means did old dominion outplay virginia tech i mean defense held up extremely strong until the very end when they were needed most but Overall, a pretty good performance on that end until the final drive. Uh, but in terms of the offense, did you see enough? Because at the end of the day, being able to outplay Old Dominion is not the goal here. That was like the lower-level baseline. And yes, you outgained them and you still lost. That could be a silver lining, as though it could have been worse. But from what you saw offensively, is it enough where you look at the upcoming schedule with Boston College you know, West Virginia, North Carolina, as bad as they've looked defensively, and say, okay, like, we could lose this Old Dominion game but still manage six games at the end of the year. I wouldn't say that. I was, you know, spurred to believe that by that. Because uh, King, obviously the big positive there at 119 yards on 19 carries. Uh, Wells, we, we, we thought interceptions might still be an issue. It appears they are. Um, Two of them are, are mostly on his shoulders and they looked, you know, pretty similar to the kind of picks he threw at Marshall. Uh, I think there's a real possibility that that's just, that's just part of his game and who he is. And I think if he's going to remain the starting quarterback, I think either one that has to reduce or two, he's got to offset that with a lot more big plays. The problem with that is Virginia Tech does not appear to have the skilled players at wide receiver to throw the ball downfield consistently. 
Um, I think Dwayne Lofton's development over the next couple of weeks is huge for the rest of the season. Um, they need to get Caleb Smith back back healthy, but uh, there's there's certainly a real possibility that there just isn't a number one receiver on this roster that that uh, that they're going to struggle to push the ball down the field as often as they need to this year. I think particularly as Virginia Tech plays more games. You know, there, there, there's a few pieces of the schedule, typically, you know, the first part of the year where teams, you know, don't really know your tendencies, don't have much on film on you, don't, the book is not out on you, there's that, and then there's the the part of the schedule after that, and, and how do you adjust, and how can you, how can you perform after that occurs, um, and that's coming, and I think that's a huge concern for Virginia Tech going forward, where, you know, you look at Kashawn King having a great day. Well, what what happens to the offense in three or four weeks when there is plenty of film and plenty of evidence out there about what Virginia Tech is trying to do? So uh, I think there's a lot of work to be done offensively before before you get comfortable with with what's going on on that side of the ball. The Tay, I mean, he mentions Wells, and the debut was uninspiring underwhelming i mean obviously you saw the moments where there were there was arm talent but to what degree is your confidence level in him diminished because of this one game are are you able to still look at this and say okay this might be a one-off or do you look back to the history at marshall and say that's what he was doing against conference usa here's what he did against the Sun Belt, and now suddenly you have acc defenses ahead of them things are likely to get worse stocks down but is it plummeting or just on a slight decline? I, I think it's somewhere in between, and I don't want to overreact to one game. And but you know, all off season, we're we're all sitting here on this podcast, pretty much saying that Grant Wells is a shoe in for the starting quarterback uh, at Virginia Tech. We're hearing from Brad Glenn; he's the most accurate quarterback he's ever worked with. And then he rolls into game one at ODU, and he's throwing four interceptions and. I got some of the circumstances, you know, not totally on him. Um, but regardless, it's not the best stat line to debut on for Virginia Tech. And, um, you know, I, I still think there is confidence. We've, we've seen that he's capable of making those throws down the field, which I think has been lacking from a Virginia Tech offense. Um, but, you know, as Doug was mentioning about the wide, rec- wide receiver position, there's not a lot of guys there that are going to bail him out. So I think throughout the course of the season, we're going to kind of see this push and pull. Like, do you want this guy to be the safe quarterback that's going to, you know, throw your simple slants and check it down, look for the tight ends? Or do you want a guy that's going to, like, push the talent around him, try to fit a ball into a window that's small and has, you know, is a risky throw, but, you know, if the upside hits, um, you know, he's doing more to that wide receiver group, you know, taking more out of them. Um, so it, it's tough to say because I think he's going to have to make those risky throws for Virginia Tech to be successful. They're not going to be able to rely on, you know, whatever the rotation of running backs will be when everyone's back. Um, he's going to have to make those throws. And, um, I think some of them were, were clearly bad, especially the first interception he threw. Um, so yeah, he's going to have to clean it up. But I think, you know, in terms of, of him being the starter moving forward. I don't think there's any like Jason Brown's going to come in and change anything. Um, it, it just kind of, it kind of comes with the territory with Grant Wells. He's going to have to make those risky throws. Um, and you just hope that 
uh, most of them are good decisions. Evan, we talk about that wide receiving group, and you know, of course, this is a group that's to some degree riddled with injuries right now. But from where I was sitting, watching on television and rewatching the game a couple times, not a ton of separation. You saw a couple of guys do a couple of good things. Do you think that, you know, your opinion on that group, which I don't believe was too high, has changed all that much? Stock up, stock down in that department. Lofton did a couple of nice things. I think we expected a lot out of him, but what about the rest of them? Yeah, I'm, I'm right in the exact same boat that I was in. You know, people talk about wide receivers getting separation and how it had been better during fall camp and things like that. And I said as much on the on the website is I, I need to see it to believe it. This is not just a one or two players have had trouble getting separation. This has been the entire unit having trouble getting separation going back for a few years now. I mean, this is this is systemic more than developmental right now, in, in my opinion. I think, um, you know, I think Fontel Mines is a really good coach, and I think that he can coach it out of people and help them to get separation and do some things at the line of scrimmage to be able to to do what they need to do and to make plays. But you know, game one, I didn't I didn't see anything that makes me feel better than I did going into it. Um, I think what Virginia Tech is going to continue to do, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, is they're going to have to utilize the tight end unit. Um, and we saw they did. I mean, Nick Gallo, I think, was the leading receiver in the ODU game. Um, I think he had seven catches, something like that. So I think we're going to see that more and more until the wide, somebody at the wide receiver room steps up. I think Dwayne Lofton has a really high ceiling, but he's really young. I mean, he didn't get to play a whole lot last year, didn't get a whole lot of targets last year. And to go from that to a guy that you want to be your main guy or your your number two if if Caleb Smith is your number one, I mean, that's a fairly large jump to make. So I think we all expect to see some growing pains out of him as he continues to become a more well-rounded receiver and work outside and work inside. Um, I think they need to strive to get uh, Connor Blumrick involved a little bit more. I'd put him more in the slot and let him run some simple things get him the ball in space. We've seen, uh, it, you know, in, in glimpses when he was at, at, at quarterback, how he can move with the ball in his hands. Now, I don't really want him throwing it, but, you know, I think that he can, uh, if he can catch and run a little bit, I think that he could be an asset there. Um, and they really do need Caleb Smith to come back. They need Jaden Blue to, to be healthy and be the Jaden Blue of, of old, not the, um, you know, the, the, Everything went to crap when the quarterback room at Temple and his, all his, his stats plummeted. They need him to be the four-star receiver that he transferred in. They need him to be healthy and mentally ready to go. So, you know, I think that that's one room that I want to look at and, and see if we can see some pure development over the next few weeks. Yeah, I think, I think if you look at the, the room right now on offense that probably made the most strides or looks to be, I mean, it's one game, looks can be deceiving, is running back. I mean, you look at the way Keyshawn King ran. He hasn't ran like that in, in Blacksburg before. Um, he was confident. He was running inside. He was holding on to the ball. You look at Chance Black getting opportunities in there. They weren't many, but he definitely ran hard. Uh, and, and had a couple of nice runs in there. I think both of those guys have stepped up their game a little bit. Um, I think we saw either the same or maybe even a step back uh, from what we saw last year at some other positions 
as they continue to transition into this new offense, this new scheme, uh, and, and new uh, new coaching staff. Yeah, King certainly on the rise. And Evan, to your point, like people can say it was against Old Dominion, but he's never performed like that against anyone ever before. You know, he, he's had big statistical days, but those were mostly, you know, spearheaded by one big play generally. And this, like three years ago. Yeah, and like three years ago, exactly. This was consistent it, it, on the outside between the tackles. You know, just chunk plays. Anytime anybody brings up that it was an inferior opponent, I see this all the time too with, with huddle film. We're looking at recruits and they're playing against a team that is, you know, terrible. You, if you go against a team that's terrible and you put up 30 yards, you didn't do your job. If you go up against a team, no matter their talent level and you put up a hundred yards, you're doing your job. You're doing what was asked of you. You're getting your carries. You're, you're earning out turning out some chunk yards and you're doing your job. Um, so, you know, I think we haven't seen him run hard like that in a long time. And I think that's a positive for Virginia tech. Can he withstand a season? That's what everybody kind of wants to see. Can he mentally stay the same guy he was at ODU? If he can, I think that you're looking at a guy that can be a really big time, uh, addition to the Virginia tech offense this year. Um, especially when Malachi Thomas comes back, I think those two would be a really good dynamic duo. Uh, but can he can he continue where he is, or take that next step and 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 you know take build on that ODU game uh, going into Boston College? But I, I thought there was clear progression from him. I was really uh, kind of excited to see him perform the way we thought he would as a recruit. It took a few years, but that one game definitely. Uh, We'll see if that's an outlier or not, but if it's, if it's not, he's uh, he's on the right track for sure. So defensively, we see Dax Hollyfield and we talk about you know the performance. You look at pro football focus, Dax Hollyfield has never played like that before. This is a guy that normally finishes, should I say rarely finishes, too far above like the baseline average player. And this weekend he grades out as the highest rated linebacker in the ACC. I think top three or four nationwide in week one. You can say, yeah, it was Old Dominion. Well, Virginia Tech's played, you know, FCS opponents. They've played group of five opponents plenty of times in Dax Hollyfield's five-year career. And only once has he ever broken an 80 rating. He was a 91.7 the other night. Do we think this is indicative? Do you think he, he's made the jump that everyone was waiting for him to make between his sophomore and junior year, his junior and senior year, or should we pump the brakes on that? I'm pumping the brakes on it uh, for the time being. I don't think, you know, this was a, this was a game where the defense did what they were supposed to do, given the opponent. This is a defense that has plenty of experience at all three levels, whether it's Pollard and Kendricks or Holly Field or, Shamari Khan or even Dorian Strong. Um, so f- for me, like that was a good performance and that's what he, sh- he exactly what he should do, uh, it, it, in a game like that against a team like that. I think, the, I think before we start declaring a massive improvement or something like that, I think, I think we're going to need, need to see it against better opponents and, and more, 
um, and more skilled opponents. And I think it starts this week with Boston College. Flowers is one of the best players in the country. Uh, West Virginia as well is, is a step up in, in talent. So I think we'll find out a lot about, um, we'll find out a lot about Dax Hollyfield and the rest of Virginia Tech defense by the end of September. After one week, I'm not, I'm not ready to go that far. Certainly encouraging. Uh, we talked all, all season about the linebacker knowledge that's on this Virginia Tech coaching staff. There's no shortage of resources for Hollyfield to improve and, and maybe he's on that path, but but I don't think I'm quite there, ready to ready to lock it in after after week one. Matei, was there anywhere on the defense, any player in particular, a position group maybe that you know didn't live up to the the hype that the defense to, is is rightfully getting for their performance over the course of the first three and a half quarters of that game? Did anyone stand out specifically weak? And you could include, of course, the, you know the drive at the end. Yeah, in terms of player, I mean, like Doug said, everyone kind of did the job they had to do. Um, you know, I, I thought in the secondary, particularly looking at like Armani Chapman and, um, you know, Dorian Strong, I didn't think they played the best of games uh, for what their standard is, what Virginia Tech standard is. And, you know, even today in the press conference, uh, Brent Pry was talking about how they're just, you know, on the field for way too many snaps. Um, and, you know, with that, uh, you know, we saw Allie Jennings kind of getting loose a lot, uh, had a lot of highlight plays. And also, like Doug saying, like Zay Flowers is one of the best wide receivers in the country. And, you know, if things don't get better, you know, he's going to put up that type of performance and then some. Um, so it's only going to get worse with better competition. And I don't think it's indicative of what those players are capable of, but, um, definitely the, the cornerbacks, I think, is, you know, the area to improve upon. I thought it was interesting, you know, the depth chart came out. Um, Breon Murray is back. Um, but Elijah Howard kind of slipped away from the two deep. So, um, maybe Breon Murray getting on the field a bit more will keep those guys fresh. Um, but definitely want to see some improvements there. Evan, I know you're, you're short on time here. So I got to ask. We talked about our preseason predictions in Matea's communal article. You had them at eight wins, I believe. After what you saw, how much are you changing that overall prediction? Yeah, you know, my in my in my analysis, I said this team, I think I said they could win anywhere from four to nine games. We just don't know what they are. There's not enough to know. Um, and they're definitely, after the ODU also, things going to go one of two ways is this going to be the bounce back moment that kind of leads Virginia Tech to win a couple of games maybe some of those toss-up games um, or does this kind of deflate them and is this turn into a snowball that uh, they end on the negative side of, uh, of things so you know I think this weekend will be really indicative of which way this season is going to go um, I had Virginia Tech winning against Boston College um, I don't think Boston College is very good. Uh, you know, the, I saw them a little bit this opening weekend against Rutgers. They have some O-line issues. If you can get pressure on their quarterback, um, you know, if you can disrupt him from connecting with Zay Flowers, that's, that's their connection, right? Like that's their offense is going to be going through Zay Flowers, who I agree with Doug. He's, he's elite. I mean, he's one of the best of the best. So 
if you can try and find to find a way to slow him down, if you can find a way to get to the quarterback and mess up the timing and mess up the rhythm, I think this is a winnable game still for Virginia Tech. And looking forward, I mean, I think obviously you look at Wofford, you look at uh, West Virginia, I think it's still a winnable game. Um, now we'll see continuing to go if, if this turns out that Virginia Tech goes uh, goes into Lane Stadium and gets, you know, gets slapped by Boston College, then then there's definitely some changes that I'm I'm gonna make in those predictions. But right now I just think there's not enough to know. I think the ODU game, obviously it was surprising that Virginia Tech lost, but it wasn't because of their talent level and it wasn't because of the scheme and it wasn't because of the players, you know, in, in certain situations. It was procedural procedural penalties, turnovers and a terrible snap. I mean, if you can clean up half of that, you walk out of there with a win, and we're still looking at, oh, maybe it could be you know six, seven, eight wins. You walk out of there with a loss, people automatically go to two wins, three wins, four wins. We don't, we don't really know enough yet. I think we'll know a lot more after this weekend. I think there's still a Virginia Tech will win a game they shouldn't win. I still think there's winnable games on the roster, and there's still probably going to be another just happen moment um, later on in the season, be it, you know, a Duke or a Georgia Tech or something you go into thinking you're going to win and, and end up losing to. So, you know, I think that right now uh, chips on the table, I would say I'm looking more at about five to six wins than eight. We'll see which direction this team goes. And this is a bounce back moment leaning on the seniors. You know, I've heard that they're leaning hard on Silas, Dax and Chamari kind of gathering the troops and letting them know letting letting the young guys know the season isn't over there's a long way to go you could still achieve your dreams I mean Dax is still talking about trying to win the ACC I think that's been his goal to try to get to an ACC championship so you know if if that's uh if that's what your seniors and your leaders are preaching to you that starts this weekend in an ACC matchup so uh, you know, we'll see. If they go out and win this weekend, I think we can look back at this and say maybe ODU was a blip. If they go out and get slapped around, I mean, maybe that's indicative that this is going to be a nosedive. And, you know, it's still regardless. This is a two to three year rebuild. We all know it. Um, the fans know it. Some people think it might be a one year rebuild with the portal. I don't think that's realistic whatsoever. Two to three years, utilize the portal as much as possible, regrow the roots in the state of Virginia, try to get as much talent as you can in Blacksburg. Uh, and then, you know, two to three years from now, I think we're looking back on this and maybe laughing a little bit. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Full transition to Boston College here. You know, Doug, you're in the process of writing the most in-depth preview of the Boston College Eagles that exists. What, what are your thoughts right now? You know, based on what we saw from Boston College against Rutgers, based on what we saw from Virginia Tech against, against Old Dominion, where are you compared to where you thought you'd be a week ago and why? I don't think I'm that far off of where I was after Virginia Tech's loss. Boston College, Boston College and Virginia Tech are essentially in the exact same position, coming off disappointing losses where they played below expectations and lost lost a close game at the end. Um, you know, Boston College still has Djokovic and Zay Flowers to carry the offense. They don't have an offensive line at all. Uh, they're they have five brand new starters on their offensive line. And, um, it, it showed last week. Djokovic threw a couple picks. I, th- I think one of the things to keep an eye on this weekend is he. Zay Flowers is such a big part of their offense that he tends to force it to Zay Flowers. Uh, both of his picks came on targets that Flowers that that he he shouldn't have thrown. Tech certainly doesn't have a Zay Flowers type target, but there's parallels of turnover concerns at the quarterback position, definite offensive line concerns. BC had 22 carries for 64 yards on the ground. That's without Djokovic's sacks factored in. But, you know, there's just a lot of questions offensively and then defensively. Boston College was not as stout in the front seven as they expected to be. They're, they're experienced up front. Um, Marcus Valdez and Cam Worsley are guys that have played a lot of football and Rutgers just ripped them. Um, Particularly in the second half and, and on the last the last Rutgers drive of the game, so you know this is one of those game. This is a game that both teams are coming in trying to clean things up, trying to make the biggest improvement from week one to week two. You know, it's a cliche we always hear about that you're going to make the biggest improvement between game one and game two, and who knows if it's actually true, but it's the hope of both teams here. So it'll be interesting. I think you're going to see. You're going to be a lot closer to confirming suspicions after this game. Um, you know, BC's a 
decent program with solid players. Zay Flowers is the best player on the field um, this weekend. You know, there's I think there'll be a, there'll be enough to really form some stronger opinions after Boston College for both Virginia Tech and BC. So it'll, it's it's going to be an interesting game in terms of coaching staff and development and what adjustments you make and how much can you really clean something up in, in, in a matter of, you know, a week. You know, Brent Pry was talking today. They practiced, they had Saturday off. They practiced Sunday and they, and you know, they spent the morning meetings on ODU and then they practiced uh, on the field to correct the ODU issues, and then they had a big announcement that they were turning the page and focusing on BC. And <laughs> is that enough? Is that is is that focusing on on what went wrong against ODU corrected, and and now they're going to come into BC um, play much better? Maybe we'll see, and that'll be that'll be huge for figuring out, particularly Grant Wells and and, and the wide receivers. I think are the big stories this week. Yeah, I mean, taking a look at it though. The mistakes that they made, the ones that truly cost them the game against Old Dominion are correctable, right? I mean, Grant Wells shouldn't make those throws. He knows he shouldn't make those throws. Got to be better. You're not going to fix that in a week, though. I don't think Grant Wells' interceptions are correctable. Not the two that are his fault. At a certain point, you're just, you just, it's who you are as a quarterback. The lining up and the, in the, False snap starts and the legal the... formations and, you know, the snap, you know, obviously long snappers can get pretty good at snapping the ball, but interceptions from a quarterback are, you know, I'm, I'm on the fence of whether that's actually correctable, particularly in season. Yeah. But, you know, the wide receivers aren't going to get faster. It, it, it is what it is. Like you just That's gotta, a big problem. <laughs> you got a game plan. <laughs> Like they're not going to create separation against better corners if they if they weren't able to against Old Dominion. It's just a lot of Virginia Tech's problems are that they are who they are as a team. The talent they have is the talent they're stuck with. Like this is in January where we're talking about the possibility of some great transfer that was looking at LSU and Florida deciding to come to Virginia Tech. That didn't happen. I you know I I remember a thread from. The message board over the off season where we were talking about the wide receiver spots specifically. And it was like, I think I said, I was like, this is potentially slightly better than Virginia Tech's receiving before when they had like Dimitri Knowles as their top receiver. Willie Byrne was the top receiver there for the, that like 2012, 2013, 2014 period. You know, they, somebody, led the team in receptions because they had somebody has to lead the team in receptions, but like you're not going to be anything better than a 500 program with without better talent, without Isaiah Ford, Cam Phillips, that level talent at wide receiver. Um, so that's, that's, that's a big concern and that's a big question. I think Dwayne, Dwayne Lofton can get there. I think he could be a really good receiver. I don't know if it's going to be this year, but you know, I think big things are ahead for him there. And, and if if they can get him there and get him as to have that um, that large role in the offense and be that high of a usage player, I think that helps out this offense a lot. Um, so he's he's the big one I'm watching the rest of September because um, they need him certainly going forward into once ACC play really starts in October. 
you know, I kind of view the best possible case scenario outlook for this season as what we saw in 2013, 14, and 15, where you had young talent getting time perhaps earlier than they would in a program that wasn't so desperate for someone to see the field. And you had guys like Isaiah and Cam who at that time, you know, were freshmen, sophomores, and they had to take a role and they had the talent. They weren't at their peak yet. But there were moments like against Ohio State where there was something there. But then, of course, a week later, you roll over and lose to ECU. And then you you face a Georgia Tech team and you lose by three. They end up finishing 11-2, and two, number nine in the country. And then you don't score for all of regulation against Wake Forest. Consistency is not something we're going to get here. So we're just going to have to hope for very wild polls in terms of the results. You need a, a high game-to-game ceiling, knowing that the floor is where the floor is. And right now, today, at least on offense, I don't know how high that ceiling can really be. Maybe Grant Wells has a perfect game. And the defense, I think the defense has the potential to play very well any given week. But is that going to be enough? I don't know. What do you think, today? Yeah, I mean, as long as Grant Wells doesn't turn over the ball like he did against ODU, I think there's you know, an upwards chance against anyone. I think in terms of the wide receivers, you know, a guy we haven't really talked about is Jalen Jones. Like he had a couple looks late last year, um, dealt with some things over the off season, was pretty much a four star by um, 24-7 art in-house rankings. Um, you know, he's the guy with the talent level to be one of those, you know, uh, in the mold of a Cam Phillips or Isaiah Ford, you know, from a talent perspective. Putting it all together is, is definitely, you know, something else. Uh, and with Dwayne Lofton as well. So, um, can they put it together? I don't know, but they're going to have ample opportunities. I mean, Steven Gosnell, another guy, you know, he looked good. Uh, a couple catches, couple acrobatic catches out there. He's a guy that maybe you give him a couple more looks. You know, um, we joked around and said, you know, he only had two catches for 11 yards in his entire career before transferring to Virginia Tech. We don't really know what he brings outside those two catches and what he did against ODU. Um, so I still think there's, you know, they can scratch the potential of a couple of these guys in the wide receiver room. Um, and I think, you know, Grant Wells, as the season progresses, will become more familiar with a lot of those guys. And again, like, yes, there's a couple things that aren't correctable in, in terms of his interceptions. Another thing you have to put into question is like, how much did he rely on Caleb Smith in the offseason and then not having him? How did that affect his ability to read the field against ODU? So I think, yeah, you're going to have to have Grant Wells spreading the ball out. It's not going to be one guy that, you know, just completely dominates uh, the, the stat column and then rely on that backfield once Malachi Thomas comes back. Hope that Keyshawn King can keep it up. Um, maybe get more out of Chance Black, but um, it's going to kind of have to be that balanced offensive effort. And then, you know, shades of what we saw against ODU, at least defensively, get the linebackers involved heavily, um, good safety play, hope for a bit more out of your corners and, um, you know, have a standard pass rush. And, you know, this will be a team that's good enough to win six games. And I think right now that's what you got to aim for. Anything else is extra, but... Um, you know, kind of do pretty much, you know, just be good all over, be balanced all over. 
Doug, is there anywhere in particular where you feel like Virginia Tech does have a big matchup advantage against Boston College? I think you got to look at the the defense, the Virginia Tech defensive line against the offensive line. Um, even throw you know your pass rushers, Jenkins, the linebackers, Jamari Connor, um, Rutgers. Rutgers had their way with the uh, with the Boston College offensive line. Um, I think they got a freshman, two starter, two two sophomores. Um, Jack Conley is one of the starting offensive linemen. Last year, he was the fourth worst offensive lineman in the ACC, um, according to PFF. I think his overall grade was a 47 or something um, on the year last year, and he graded out against Rutgers at a 50. So you know he's he's about as good for lack of a better term, as he was last year. Um, yeah, if he's playing guard, I think he played guard mostly last weekend. Him and the center particularly struggled. Uh, so I think this is a big week for Fuga and Kendricks and Pollard to really control control the line of scrimmage. Uh, BC's running back's pretty good, Pat Garwo, um, but did, did not add much of anything um, last week because of the play of the offensive line. So... You know, I think that's the big key. I, that's how Virginia Tech wins this game is by dominating on the uh, the defensive line, dominating Boston College's offensive line. This is not a Boston College offense that we've or offensive line that we've gotten used to. You know, with all their draft picks up front, um, it's a uh, that that's that's how I think Virginia Tech wins this game is if if the defensive line completely controls, um, you know that. The, that Boston College offensive line. Um, Djokovic is good. Zay Flowers is going to get his. He's probably going to have 10 catches for 100 yards and, a, and at least a touchdown. Um, if you can control the rest of the plays, you know, that that's what Zay Flowers did against Rutgers, and, and they scored 21 points in loss. So, um, I, you know, I don't think there's much beyond Flowers in terms of, you know, playmaking depth. Uh, the tight end's very good. Again, George Takas, he's a transfer from Notre Dame, so he gives them a reliable second option. But, but I think, I think for the most part, you can, you can control this game and give Virginia Tech's offense a chance with Tech's front four, particularly in the middle with Pollard and Kendricks and Fuga. Um, you think, you, you figure a home, a home game. Night atmosphere at Lane Stadium should make things even more difficult on the Boston College offensive line. Um, so, you know, that's, that's going to be the key. If, if you so, if you see Garwo early starting to, you know, be a productive tailback, four or five yards of carry, that's a problem. But, but based on what happened against Rutgers, that's probably not going to, or that should not happen. All right. And I guess we should pick the darn game. Tay, what's your outlook here? What do you think? How does this one end? Yeah, I think this is going to be another kind of sloppier game. I could see kind of a similar scoreline where it's like a 23-17 type of game. Um, I think Virginia Tech will clean up some of their mistakes, obviously not have 14 penalties. Um, I think Grant Wells will clean it up a bit as well. Um, and, you know, I think if, if they can keep Boston College one-dimensional, on the on the arm of Phil Dracovich and you know just praying that they get Zay Flowers uh, under coverage and contained. I think it should be you know a, a relatively 
easier game. Um, they're, they're not as, um, scary in terms of being a balanced threat. Um, and like Doug was saying, that, that offensive line is definitely exploitable. So, um, I think Virginia Tech is going to win this game 23-17. Um, and I definitely think it's going to help to maintain that focus now having, you know, being a home game, being a night game in Lane Stadium, bringing that energy. I think it's going to be a lot harder to kind of like sleepwalk through parts of it um, and not take the opponent as seriously. I think the loss to Old Dominion will will spark or ignite a flame uh, in that locker room, and I think they'll come out ready to go. Uh, and I and I think you know there's a there are a few guys coming back from injury that could help the depth of this team, um, and I think that will be the difference. And yeah, it's not going to be comfortable twenty three seventeen, but. Um, I think it'll be, you know, you just got to get a win to get back on track at this point. In 2016, Justin Fuente's first season, Virginia Tech turned the ball over five times in a loss to Tennessee. Virginia Tech turned the ball over five times in a loss to Old Dominion last weekend. In 2016, the next game was a home game they played against Boston College, and they won 49 nothing. That's not going to happen. Um, oh. <laughs> um, you had me for a second. I think Virginia Tech will win this game. I don't think it's going to be forty-nine nothing. Um, I think I think Tech's defense is solid enough to put the offense in a position to win this game, and I don't think the offense is going to be as as shoot themselves in the foot see um, as they were last week. And you know, you reduce the penalties in half. That's a big improvement. You reduce the turnovers in half. Um, you know, most, most analytics put the turnovers at like four, between four, a turnover is basically worth between four and five points. Um, Odie, you got one that was worth seven, um, last week. So, you know, I, I, I think a home crowd makes a big difference, um, particularly for the offense, uh, and I think I, I just don't see them playing as poorly offensively and, and and have the same the same number of mistakes. Um, I certainly don't think it's going to be forty nine nothing or anything approaching a blowout. Uh, but but Boston College did not. Boston College looked equally as poor last week, and Tech's playing at home, and I think we'll see a little bit of improvement there. So I'm right with Mate there, twenty three seventeen. Um, you know, I'll, I don't want to pick the exact same thing Mate picked. Um, but, you know, 24 17, I think feels good to me. That, that's what I'm going with. But I just want to throw it out there that I did make the connection between the two scenarios just in case it happens. I did write down a piece of paper here, 21 17, before either of you said anything. Well, Boston College has scored 17 points, it seems like. I got it. I got it in favor of Boston College. Oh, oh, sorry. Pessimistic Andrew. Yeah. Hope for the best. Expect the worst. Your boy's (laughs) going to be there with a big fat Boston College money line bet in place. (laughs) And if I lose the money on the bet, I'm still going home happy, baby. But (laughs) yeah, you're right. I mean, this game could go a number of ways. I understand why Vegas sees tech as the favorites. And part of that is essentially just due to home field advantage. But Tech's wide receivers aren't getting any faster, and Grant Wells makes mistakes all the time. Those are two things that we set our baked into the cake. 
Now, whether they're going to commit 14 penalties or not, yeah, that, I mean, that could probably be lessened. We would hope so. We hope that they don't break that record. We hope they don't come close to that record. But they weren't able to get separation. And do I think that given the Boston College defense is going to be filled with more talented players and the Boston College offense is going to have a player in Zay Flowers and a quarterback in Phil Dracovic, by the way, who would be the two best players on offense for Old Dominion far and away. I feel like we're assuming the offense is going to take a step up, but we have to assume that Boston College is also going to make that big improvement from week one to week two. And their best players have the highest ceilings of any offensive players in this game. So I'm going to defer to them to win and hope I'm wrong. But any last words, boys? How about the Nebraska Cornhuskers? Look, it was a close one at halftime. A 7-7 ball game <laughs> between Nebraska and North Dakota. Not North Dakota State, North Dakota. But the Huskers came away. They did not cover, but they did win. I think, I think they didn't cover. It was like 30 points. I think they won by like 20-some-odd. Yeah, 21. Again, uh, Oklahoma is on the horizon, and that one could get ugly, and when that does get ugly, it could be it for Scott Frost. Andrew, when can folks catch you on the local radio show in Lincoln? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So 2.30 Central Time, uh, if you're out there. <laughs> but 2.30 Central every day? Oh, no, just on Thursday. Oh. <laughs> Where we're previewing... Uh, the top college games across the country. Talk to the little ACC. No one cares out there, but that's why they put me on at 2.30. <laughs> how, how long is your segment? It's like 15 take... minutes. Wow. All right. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's an honor and a privilege to talk to Husker Nation each and every Thursday. Is that uh, 2.30 Lincoln time? Yeah, 2.30 Lincoln time. So 2.30 Central. It's 3.30 over here on uh, you know the East Coast. But... Otherwise, speaking of Nebraska Northwestern, though, last I checked, only seven-point favorite at home against Duke. Duke coming out and slapping Temple in the face. Quincy Patterson could not be the difference maker in that one. Are the Blue Devils a coastal contender? Somebody was somebody had a thread before the season talking about over/under win totals, and I was in on Duke over three and a half wins, and then they came out thirty nothing over Temple. Feeling pretty not, good about that one. Duke has not lost a non-conference game against a Power 5 team since 2016. And that's a fact. And that's probably just because they schedule Northwestern and Kansas every year. But <laughs> I was going to say, they got Northwestern this week and Kansas in two weeks with NCAA team. I mean, Elko's got those boys ready to play down there. Yeah. So suddenly, you know, when things start going downhill for everyone else, like, they already seem like they're going in Blacksburg. You know, very well should be going if you're a fan in Chapel Hill. Is Temple is just a, terrible? Temple's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Poor Quincy. He, he deserves better. He does. Well, he, he won a ring. He's got his natty. If he really wants better and money, he should try to switch to tight end. That's been my opinion. I didn't realize Quincy Patterson was on Temple. Is he playing? I think he, he got 30 something yards, I think. I don't know if he started. I Three of eight played. for 31 yards. Yeah, wow. it's kind of hard to interpret because I didn't watch the game, but there's a, there's a number <laughs> of ways that could have gone. <laughs> there's a number of ways that could have gone. That could be, um, 
Quincy being used rotationally. That could be Quincy being benched. That could be Quincy replacing the benched quarterback. We'll never know because we'll never watch. But nonetheless, we're rambling. No one cares anymore. DeJuan not- Mathis is their other quarterback. You got a history on him or just saying the name? Uh, Dewan Mathis. Uh, he's a six foot six sophomore from Oak Park, Michigan. I think it was there last year. He transferred from somewhere. He's, a, oh, he's a, he started at Georgia. Georgia, that's what it was. Quincy always likes to pick places where he's going to be the backup. <laughs> Not exactly, uh, but hey, got in the game in a 30 nothing loss. But again, Quincy, if you're listening, switch to tight end. Uh, Braxton Burmeister gets pulled from uh, starting for San Diego State against Arizona. Braxton yeah, Arizona has 50 new players. Someone was bold enough to give them a AP Top 25 vote. I think it was actually the guy who writes about Nebraska for the Lincoln uh, for the Lincoln Star or whatever it's called. Lincoln Star is their newspaper. They're minor league hockey team. But. You are all in on Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> Again, my best friend lives there. I don't have a choice. It's uh, information that's just fed to me. But nonetheless, we're rambling. We're done. Boston College, Virginia Tech. But hey, Doug, are you guys going to the game? I will be there. All right, Doug, I will hit not you up. be there. Tank, I will hit, not. hit you up in spirit. But yeah, should be a fun one. Virginia Tech football's back. Actually, last thing I have to say. Doug, oh. you, last, on last podcast, we talked about how like the mood was going to be so somber going into the Boston College game had Virginia Tech lost to Old Dominion. They did lose to Old Dominion. I feel like things aren't as somber as we anticipated. They're definitely not as high as they could have been. If Virginia Tech just won that game by three, people are through the roof. But I don't think people are giving up just yet. They're just sad. I think it'll be tentative excitement. You still see better days ahead in the long view, but last week kind of felt like the last five years. Um, so, you know, sitting around a tailgate all Saturday, if you were pessimistic about the, at the end of the Fuente area era, you probably still, you know, I queued up the heartbreak city tweet at the, at the end of the game. That's, that's still around. So, um, you know, it kind of feels like they up. I mean, the same thing. So nothing's changed. So you'll be talking about the game, like, and then we'll probably blow it at the end of the game. Um, so, but yeah, definitely less, less, less excited, but you still, you still have the new coach scent on it that, um, that it's okay to lose a game like that at this point of the Brent Pry era versus if he'd been in year seven of Justin Fuente. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, gentlemen, BT Scoop 24 seven sports. We'll be back next week with more coverage. Enjoy the game. If you're going, enjoy it. If you're not going, and as always, go Hokies. <laughs> Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy.